you guys have the ultra wideband 5G stuff and we don't. So like, you know, your Fold 3s have the weird plastic window in the frame. My Fold 3 doesn't have that. Just doesn't have that window, which is good because apparently the cases that use adhesive pull that thing out all the time. Yep. <laughs> With the number of cases I was putting on and off of my Fold 3, that would not have gone well. Hello, and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader, and this week we are talking all about Samsung's Unpacked event. We got two foldables, two or three watches, depending on the size of your wrist. We have a pair of earbuds, and we have a special guest. It's all very exciting. Joining us for the first time this week, Zachary Q. Dennis, AP's Samsung extraordinaire freelancer. You're you're freelancer extraordinaire, but you're also an extraordinaire freelancer. So how are you doing? I'm good, and I've been called much worse than that over the years. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Uh, and and joining us, as always, Will Saddleberg, Ara Wagner. How are you? Feeling less special. You're less special. You are. Yeah, you're, you're, the just least, normal. you're the least special person on this podcast, obviously. Wow. It's, it's so mean. You are. The you, accent it's, helps. It's, it's mainly because you've taken <laughs> the entire month of August off. I am here, am I not? Yeah, you're here. not for long, Will. Not for long. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. That's a bad thing to say as your boss, because then I, I, I'm like I'm like <laughs> yeah. publicly guilting you for taking vacation, which I'll, I shouldn't be. I don't actually I'll mind drown my it. tears in some. It's uh, only it's mainly just that you chicken. vacation like two hours north of me, and you don't I come did, and say yeah. hello. I like waved as we you drove cross on over the, the border. You drive on my highways. It's it's fine. Those are his personal highways. He laid them himself. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a lot to get through today. We're going to start with the, uh, I'm, I'm going to say with the ZKD, because that's what we call you. Um, we're going to start with ZKD. You're the only one of this crew who has actually gone hands-on with these products. So we're going to start with the Fold 4. We wrote in our hands-on, Ryan did it, he went to New York, that it is as iterative as possible. What's your take on it? How has the phone evolved? You're obviously familiar with the Fold 3 and previous foldables from Samsung. So what's your take on it? It's weird because when you just look at it on paper, the changes are really small, but it's a case of so many things have just had like a 1% change that when you add it all together, it still does feel different in the hand. It is very iterative. It is very small. No, just very insignificant changes, but they're nice. Overall, I much prefer how the Fold 4 felt in the hand versus the Fold 3. It's slightly shorter. It's not quite as tall. I think they said it's two millimeters wider. But it feels wider than that because all of the bezels are smaller for both displays. So it's a it's a hard one. On the one hand, it doesn't feel like it's changed much. But then when you actually hold it, it does. I'm really excited to properly get my hands on one and use it for more than just half an hour, really. Let's talk about that. So it feels a little different. The bezels are smaller. But the actual aspect ratio is slightly different from the Fold 3, right? Um, it's not yes. quite find-end territory where it's landscape first on open but the front screen is a little wider a little shorter and therefore the inside screen is also a little bit wider a little bit shorter as you said you only had 30 minutes with it but how do you think that changes the way that the phone works it made so i've always used my fold 3 in landscape i'd always open it and turn it and i did not feel anywhere near as inclined to do that with the fold 4 I do worry how much bigger those letterboxing bars are going to be in YouTube now, if you put it in landscape, but we'll have to, I, I didn't get to try that. It didn't have a Google account on it. I was able to install GoodLock and mess around with all of that, but I wasn't able to try any video or anything like that. But yeah, that's what I wonder. I mean, the thing that they said, they wanted it to make it a little bit wider like that, just to make productivity in portrait mode feel better with the exact words from the guy who did the presentation. And I can see that just having that a little bit of extra space with the aspect ratio. I think if you're going to have two apps side by side, or even three apps in multi-window, I think that's where the big difference is going to be. Just having that fraction more space. And that's how I would use my Fold all the time. I very rarely only have one app open at a time on my Fold. Interesting. You're like one of the rare people who actually multitasks on their phone. I use multi-window on my S22 Ultra, to be fair, with all the floating windows as well. So yes. I'm one of the few people who actually use all of that. So let's talk fit and finish. Like there's new colors this year, but 
mainly the texture is a little different, right? How did that feel to you? I mean, does it feel a little bit more evolved, a little bit more mature as a product? What was your impression there? So the one thing I did like is that it's got uh, completely flat sides now all the way around. If you look at the Fold 3, especially the cover display on the Fold 3, it has that old 2.5D glass that slightly bends into the frame. Right. Uh, that's gone. It's completely like iPhone 12 slash 13 style flat sides now. And I prefer it. I prefer the way that looks. I prefer the way that feels. Didn't test if I could stand it up on its own uh, like I can with the flat-bottomed S22. But the thing I wasn't such a fan of is all of the frame now is glossy on all three colors instead of matte. Hmm. And while it looks all shiny, they literally had seven different people walking around the testing area with microfiber cloths, just picking the phones up as soon as they were put down and wiping them down. Of course. So how good those glossy sides are going to feel after 10, 20 minutes of skin oil being on them, I don't know. But overall, the fit and finish feels better. So the glass is still kind of matte, but it's got a slightly softer feel to it, slightly more silky, which I might not be as grippy, but it's more comfortable to me. But yeah, the biggest thing I noticed were just those flat sides. And that's in go and that goes for the Flip 4 as well as the Fold 4. Those squared off sides just feel better. Because when you held the Flip 3, because the frame curved all the way around, if you held it closed, the two halves would kind of curve in towards each other in the middle of where they met when mm. you folded it up. That felt always a felt a bit odd to me, whereas now they're more flush because of those flat edges. So I don't know whether that, that has anything to do with the new hinge or anything. I don't know. The crease is definitely less noticeable this year. So it's not exactly a teardrop hinge the way that it is on the Find N and, and the Huawei Mate X series, right? But yeah. it's, it is a little bit more pinched. So you're not seeing the crease quite as much. I, I think some people are going to be disappointed that Samsung did not adopt the teardrop hinge design that we're seeing on like the Motor Razor and, and, and the Find N and others. But, uh, What's your take on that? I mean, this is clearly the Fold 2 evolved into the Fold 3, evolved into the Fold 4, right? This is Samsung iterating very carefully on an existing design. Yeah, I mean, I, the Fold 3 and 4 are the only foldables I've ever used, and now the Flip 4. So I haven't used that little teardrop display, but I follow a lot of people that do online, and one of the things I've noticed is that a lot of those Moto razors, that kind of longer crease that's less noticeable seems to get looser and kind of not quite as flush it gets a bit bubbly over time, which I know that the folds of and Samsung's foldables have had cracking problems down the middle, but that seems less common than the bubbliness that the teardrop crease has had. So personally, I prefer, I think, again, this is, I've only used Samsung style of hinge and crease, but I think in theory, I prefer it. One thing I will say, having said that, is that the crease is much more noticeable on a flip versus a fold just because of the orientation. When you're holding a Galaxy Fold, your thumbs are just always either side of the crease and you never really touch that middle part. Whereas if you're scrolling up and down on a flip, your finger is going over it quite a lot. But the crease on the Fold 3, if you look straight on at it, almost completely disappears. And it's the same with the Fold 4, but with the Fold 4, you can tilt it to more of an angle before it appears. I think a lot of people are going to be very happy about that. Yeah. Okay, let's talk cameras. So new, denser under display camera on the main display. How does that look in person? I couldn't really tell a difference versus my Fold 3. It's one of those things where maybe it's 2% less noticeable, but it's still going to be there if you look for it. I kind of stopped seeing the under display camera on my Fold 3 unless I purposefully looked for where it was. It's kind of one of those things where I just automatically ignore it the same way I do a punch hole. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll be the same with the 4. It doesn't really look any different to the one on the Fold 3 to my eye. Other people that were there were going, wow, that's much better. And I just thought it was the same, personally. And obviously you didn't get to spend any time with the rear camera setup, but um, you know, newer, bigger 50 megapixel main sensor. Presumably this, it's the same one as on the Galaxy S22 Plus, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it's, I think it's basically just the same camera setup right. as S22 and S22 Plus, so I've only used the Ultra. But um, going off of that, I expect much better things than with the Fold 3. The yeah. Fold 3 didn't have bad cameras because you could get good photos from them. It just had bad cameras compared to what you should expect for the price. A hundred percent For agree. when it came out. Yeah. 
If it had been the S20 FE with those cameras, I'd be really happy, but not on a really expensive foldable. No. So I'm glad to see that they've actually listened. That three times telephoto is going to be a lot better. All right. Final thoughts on the folds. Any other stray things that you, that you thought about maybe around software? I know that they're launching yeah. it with Android 12L. I was sad to see they haven't implemented the split quick settings and notification shade that we've seen from 12L and other places. I was disappointed by that. What I was very happy to see, the Fold 3 had that taskbar at the side, which the Fold 4's moved to the bottom. On the 3, Good Lock would let you move it to the bottom there, but only with the 3 button navigation switched on. And even though all of Samsung's press images show this taskbar with the 3 button nav, I'm really happy to say you can use it with the gestures as well. Mm. So if you prefer Android's gesture navigation, which I think everybody should personally, but that's my opinion, you can use that taskbar with that. And I don't see it in any of the promo material, but I discovered that if you long press that taskbar, it disappears if you long press it for two seconds. And to bring it back, you just long press the little gesture handle without swiping and it comes back. So if anyone's thinking that taskbar is just going to get in the way when I want to go full screen or it's only usable with buttons, they do appear to have put quite a lot of thought into that. So hopefully, but also the, the new multi um, window gestures, which are the same as what I've got on the S22 now with One UI 5 are really good, especially on the fold. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how Samsung adapts 12L and Android 13 eventually for the folds. It's about time we get a UI that's actually optimized for what you can do on here. It doesn't feel like it's just bolted on. It was interesting to see. I think I spotted during the announcement that, I don't know why I want to say Spotify, not Spotify, TikTok has a proper dual panel layout for the fold now so that videos actually scale properly. So it seems like huh. more things like that are happening. Um, there was a big focus on Microsoft and Google Apps at the hands-on event. Yeah. Going over all the Google Apps that have had updates for stuff like this and... Hopefully now Samsung has 12L and is going to push this instead of just Google. Maybe more third-party companies are going to start remembering that big screens exist outside of the Apple ecosystem. Or just skip directly to 13. Oh, yeah. Which bundles all of them in. Yeah. Isn't this the first device to ship with 12L outside of a Pixel? Yes, I believe it is. Because the Lenovo tablet still only has it in a developer preview, I think, doesn't it? So Yeah, and every time we try to load it, it bricks our tablets, so we don't we stop trying. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, so I think my general thought for the Fold 4 is if you have a Fold 3, most of the goodies are going to come to you in a software update anyway, including that taskbar, and there's probably not much point upgrading unless you really want those cameras. But if you have a Fold 2, or if you don't have a Fold, I would pick a Fold 4 now over getting a used Fold 3 cheap. Hmm. Interesting. It's one of those things where it is better, but it's not enough to upgrade to. Hmm. If you don't have one or if you have an older one, then it's worth it, I think. Okay. That's good advice. Ara, Will, any thoughts on the Fold before we move on? It's still too big for me. Like, I, I, I'm saving myself for our next segment because I have a lot of hopes and dreams about the Flip 4 and all of its beautiful, beautiful colorways. But yeah, for the Fold 4, I'm still just like, you're getting better, but this is still not the foldable that makes sense to a regular person because it's $1,800. So It is. It's still and, crazy expensive. And, and we were talking about trade-in values before the show, and for as expensive as this device is, it does not retain value anywhere near the level that it should in order for this to be a device that is smart to invest your money in, invest your time in. Because whilst all smartphones depreciate quickly, the foldables have depreciated even more quickly than anything else. And I I can't condone spending $1,800 on a phone. Yeah, $1,800 is is a, a stupid amount of money. I mean, there, there's a plan, there's so many trade-in offers right now, at least for pre-orders through through carriers and Samsung and Best Buy that a lot of people, at least at least day one buyers, won't, won't be paying $1,800, but it's still a stupid amount of money. Provided right? you live in a country that Samsung cares about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I should say that that's 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 at, at the very least North American centric and maybe even I mean, US to be fair, it's the same with every company. Google hate us just as much as Samsung do. Yeah, yeah, too US centric here. But. All right, well, then let's move on and talk about the flip. So, Will, give us your impressions, overview of this phone and why it is a little bit more yeah. exciting than the fold in some ways. 
I think we really need to wait to see if Samsung's made good on its promises here, because in a lot of ways, it's a lot like the Fold 4 in that it is a refinement over last year's model. We're not seeing a radically new design. There are the same, like, metal frame is here. Like, it, it all looks a little bit nicer, but it's pretty much the same, like, build overall. I, I think the big two questions surrounding this are, is the bigger battery enough to, to make it last longer than the Flip 3 did? And are the cameras actually better? Because last year's cameras were like not $1,000 smartphone worthy, if that makes sense. Especially, you know, like the Pixel 4a is half the price and took better shots, you know. So I think we really, those are the two big questions around this device. And we don't even, um, you know, Ryan got a hands-on this week and he was not able to test obviously the battery life, but also the camera quality. So those are kind of the two questions surrounding it. And I think... If those are both positive improvements, I think this is actually like a big upgrade over the Flip 3. Samsung, um, if I may interject, said in my event, they are the same camera sensors overall as Flip 3. Right. Uh, but they said, let me check, the micron size has been changed from 1.4 to 1.8 or whatever, and it's 65% brighter for nightography. But yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know how much stock I put in that personally. I think the battery life will be better, and I think the cameras will still not be good enough for a $1,000 phone. It, but I can't say that with a ton of, you know, like I, I haven't I haven't used it. I, I haven't been able to test this, either of those things, but but that would be my guess is that the, the, the cameras will still be fine. They'll be better than last year's, but a Pixel 6a will take better shots. And I do think that bumping the, the battery up 400 milliamps, uh, that will make a difference. I mean, I don't put any stock in the word nitography anyway no but that's ridiculous yeah the the camera setup here i'm i know that they are space constrained to a fault um yeah but they are yeah I'm, I'm not not happy with with the camera situation here this feels very much like they're bolting an s21 fe camera setup here um, yeah that's actually a good comparison yeah i would almost prefer them drop the secondary lens and just put a good primary lens on Ooh. there if, second um, iPhone, I know, iPhone I SE. I know a lot like, of people uh, are like uh, yeah you know that that strategy I mean, don't get me yeah I love the ultra wide camera to a fault it's like my my most used camera lens but I would on the flip I think put the 50 megapixel main sensor in even if you have to drop the second sensor I think what's really interesting is that the flip allows for so much versatility in how you shoot that having that ultra wide is important because of just the the sheer variety of shots you can get. You put it down on a table. You could use the flex mode to set it up a bit more and then let it go. You can use the front screen to show a preview. I saw a lot of people over the you know last couple of, or I guess the last year with a flip using the front camera, front screen as a way to kind of orient the shot. And having that ultra wide is is really nice for like landscapes and stuff. I just wish it was a better quality sensor. It's clear that they needed to keep that $1,000 starting price point and the cameras were what were settled with. May I suggest something somewhat revolutionary for the cameras? Put a good main sensor on the back of the Flip 4, but instead put the ultra wide in the selfie camera. Because you can always strategy. crop in and use the center of the ultra wide. But that would also, that would A, allow you to take a wider selection of selfies without having to rely on that tiny camera cover to make sure everybody's in the shot. But it would also still give you that sensor when you need it. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. LG used to do that exceptionally well, but they put really high quality front-facing cameras on their phones. I don't love the 10 megapixel camera that Samsung puts on their phones. So yeah. I do wonder if we are looking at this as people who want to take like actually good photos because the, you know, you brought up putting it on a table and like using that to like steady the shot or whatever. All of Samsung's examples or, or most of them were like, you won't believe how good you can make your TikToks with this phone. And like at that point, the camera quality doesn't matter. So if they're uh aiming for this at creative, like, oh, you're just putting this on Instagram, like it might not matter to most people to like people buying this thing with that in mind. I will say that the TikToks and whatnot was another reason that I was like, put the ultra wide on the front because that way it's easier for the TikToks agree, and the streamers yeah. and all of that stuff to have a wider image while they are still looking at the camera and engaging with their content. But also, I mean, yeah, I want to be able to take 
article photos with my camera because, uh, spoiler alert, I take all of my article photos with uh, smartphone cameras because I don't want to DSLR. Um, but for the Flip 4, this is like a, this is a weekend or like traipsing around the parks kind of a phone for me. I don't need this to take review photos. I just want this to go and take good, good photos of like the castle or whichever like duck came up and tried to eat my popcorn today or just random things like that. I, I don't need the Flip 4 to be perfect. I just need it to be passably good. And right now it is just passably okay. I think there are two trains of thought with this because my wife loves TikTok and Snapchat and all of that. And she looks at the photos my S22 Ultra takes. For perspective, she has an S20 FE. Uh, and she looks at all the photos, like amazing stuff my S22 Ultra can do. And then does the classic Jeremy Clarkson thing of amazing. Anyway, and doesn't care. <laughs> and she said she doesn't really care about the camera quality on the Flip 4. She said if it's as good as her S20 FE, she's happy. But then you have people who use social media for more of a living. So, for example, there's uh, I follow some cosplayers on Instagram, and there's one that I talk to every so often because she knows what I do for a job. And she was asking like what kind of phone to get because she has I can't remember what it was, but it's one of the Sony phones with actually like really good camera hardware, not the ridiculously expensive one. And the thing that really annoys her about it is how good the photo and video looks on the device, but then how bad it looks as soon as she puts it in an Instagram reel or on snapchat and she doesn't want to get an iphone and it's a case of some people do genuinely care but even if they put amazing camera hardware in the flip it's probably going to still look crap on snapchat and instagram anyway because those apps just don't care about androids also for those it's not a matter of how much the manufacturers care about you being able to use snapchat or tiktok or anything else it's a matter of those apps cannot properly use android cameras we've talked about this in recent months about how the apps just like yeah. Straight up do not have the APIs that they need to take proper advantage of the cameras. Yeah, although that's the weird thing is I saw online the other day that actually Samsung phones do give you access to all the API level stuff that you need. It just seems to be that they're the only phones that do, like even Pixels don't make use of the APIs that Google went to all the effort of putting in. And yeah, it's a weird one. All the Android manufacturers love to go and say, oh, it's the app's fault. Like, go blame them. But then they're not giving them the resources they need. I think it's equal 50-50 blame in a lot of ways. Like, Well, I just think they don't want to use open APIs. They want to focus on, you know, Samsung wants to partner with Snapchat so it can put that on the box and say, we have a better Snapchat experience. Google did the same thing with Snapchat. Google did the same with Instagram back when they, uh, I think it was the Pixel 3. It was. So, you know, they do this every cycle, but it's a marketing play. It doesn't make it easier for a Pixel phone to open random social app with that uses camera too and have it be a good experience. So that's fair. Anyway, I think the best part of the flip is the bespoke service, which lets you slice You're and wrong. dice yeah. all of the colors. You're so wrong. Why? Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong. Did you see that Bora purple and the blue with that mirror finish frame and hinge? It looks so good. It looks like a mashup between like an 80s throwback and something like super futuristic. It's a nostalgia trip for something that is brand spanking new. And I love it. And the colorways just look so much better this year than they did last year. Because last year, the flip three colors sucked. Not to rub it in, but they look even better in person. Yeah. Purple is my favorite color to the point that it's almost an obsession. <laughs> um, like, no, the, the, the purple flip four is gorgeous i don't know i i don't like the purple i'm not a purple fan but i do like the fact that i can slice and dice this phone so many different ways and uh there yeah. are a lot more colors this year i just i like the fact that they're doing this it's it's classy it's tasteful yeah. uh you know they're not saying like hey we'll put wood on your phone and charge you an extra hundred dollars and make it see i disagree here <laughs> delay your your shipment yeah. by two months like where is the leather no, you don't want leather. Trust me. <laughs> Where leather? is the Kevlar back? Yeah, that's right. You want a red phone, but go buy a red phone. That's you, that's like a phone that's actually a weapon or a bullet. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> it would be kind of fun to see some, at least some materials that are known to like hold up a little bit better, like ceramic. carbon fiber or ceramic or yeah, the Kevlar. Especially when there was a ceramic S10 Plus back in the day. If you bought the 512 gig S10 Plus, that was ceramic. And then Samsung never touched it again for some reason. Well, it's ceramic, so it's breakable. Well, ceramic is bad with colors. It's hard. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I do like the improvements to the bespoke design, especially the fact that you have like more than one hinge color now. Because last year was basically all every, no matter what you picked, you had a black mm -hmm. frame. Yeah. And it looked ugly. Yeah, I agree. That sort of carried over. Do you remember the Fold 2? You could mix and match the hinge colors, mm -hmm. that he could get different hinge colors. One thing I will say about the bespoke edition, I wish that you could get it on the Fold, not just the Flip. But in the announcement video, you saw this machine with all the different back panels and like a flip in the middle. That machine was actually at the hands-on, and I didn't get any video because I'm the one who volunteered to do this demonstration, but they actually had it where on this, this touch screen, I told them, uh, told the machine what color combination bespoke Flip 4 I wanted. And then in the center, this Flip 4 came out with no back panels on it, all exposed. And then this robot arm came down and grabbed the panels in front of me and stuck them on the phone. And they were like, obviously, this isn't how it's that We're not going <laughs> to, this isn't actually how it works. They're not even properly glued on. <laughs> but it was so cool. It was one of those few things. Samsung love going over the top at events in ways that make you groan. But it was this was one of the few things that actually was genuinely nice and pretty cool. I will say, considering like Samsung does like promotional like touring at different events and malls and whatnot to try and like have these pop-up stores and pop-up experiences, put that machine at one of those and so many people would be like, okay, if if they could get it to seal properly. That would be the best way to buy a flip phone. Yeah. Just imagine the vending machines just going up and getting a phone out of a vending machine. That's that just, just... Yeah, that just like <laughs> makes my skin itch. Like they're, <laughs> they're selling a phone that is ostensibly IP68 water and dust resistant. And they're like building the phone in front of you in like not a sterile environment. And they're just like, here you go. Go dunk your phone, dummy. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> well, no, I mean, the machine is something that would obviously have to be, like, mounted to a trailer or something so that way it stays intact and it doesn't have to, like, get moved around a whole lot. Right. It's just, no, I don't want, I want that, I, I want this to be just <laughs> a very cool demo and then have my phone ship from, like, a perfect manufacturing facility in South Korea, please. But imagine if you could put the phone back in and change the Oh, my God, Zach, God. no, please. <laughs> Okay, we're moving up. <laughs> to be we're, fair, we're, we're okay, we just on. officially jumped the shark. This, is, uh, this you, is just like fantasy land for a second. <laughs> you can actually do that with the bespoke editions. You can pay a fee and they'll change the panels for you. You just have to send it off. So let's talk watches. Uh, Ara, this is, I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying I'm disappointed in the watches, but I'm a little surprised at how iterative these watches are. Did they need big changes? I mean, let's look at the fact that the Galaxy Watch 4 was like the best Android watch that we had seen in years. Right. Okay. So let's 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 walk through exactly what is the same and what's different. So we have a Watch 5 in two sizes, 40 mm -hmm. and 44 mil, and we have a Watch 5 Pro in a single 45 millimeter size. Let's start with the Watch 5. What is this product? Alrighty. So if we're going to start with what's the same, they have the same processor, RAM, storage. So all of the performance should be like actual performance of One UI watch should be the same here. The only difference should be the sensors have been slightly upgraded. So hopefully you'll be able to more accurately read things. Uh, the one physical change that they made besides changing the glass on the touchscreen was that Samsung says that they have refined the curvature of the watch in order to ensure that your watch has better skin contact and thus gets better health readings. And as somebody with a narrow, tiny wrist that struggled with a lot of getting a lot of the readings that Samsung advertised for this watch, like out of the entire year, I've only gotten two BMI readings that actually were able to complete and give me a number because it just was so hard for it to get the data that it needed because of the way I have to wear the watch in order for it to fit on my wrist. So ideally, this should be better for people who have smaller wrists or super wide wrists or super narrow wrists. So this should hopefully be a watch that fits more people. But then the only health sensor upgrade that we really saw was they've added skin temperature, but they haven't said which kind of sensor it's using for it and how it'll integrate with everything else. We need to test that. I'm also just, it's skin temperature. It's, you can't trust it to be like an actual thermometer 
So it's more a matter of like, okay, I've been getting hot. Am I, am I consistently over my baseline temperature? Am I actually having a fever? Or, am I just, or is my temperature fluctuating wildly, which could be a sign of something else entirely? But the other main upgrades here were the battery and the screen. And the screen is the most important one, in my opinion, because your watch is on your wrist. It's going to bang around again stuff. And the glass on the Galaxy Watch 4 is semi-durable, but you definitely needed a tempered glass screen protector on it. My dad's Galaxy Watch 4 would not be alive right now without its tempered glass screen protector because he wears it while he's doing yard work and working on all manner of things. So every now and again, he'll look down and, and there will just be like, oh, the screen protector's cracked. Time to get a new one. Samsung has swapped over to Sapphire Crystal Glass, which is 1.6 times stronger than the Galaxy Watch 4's glass. This means that this is going to be hands down a more durable watch, which should ideally make it last longer for any and all people who wear it. Because even if you're careful, even if you're cautious, your hand and your arm bang into stuff. That's just how moving through the world works. The battery life claims, I'm not sure how much I buy these, but the concrete facts that we know are the batteries are 15% larger than they were last year, which should help improve the battery life in order to get it past that 24-hour mark that it has just had trouble with for so long. Samsung is claiming that even though all of the internal guts are the same and the watch battery is only 15% bigger, that you're going to get 50% more battery at life out of this. Samsung is claiming 50 hours of battery life for the Galaxy Watch 5 and 80 hours for the Watch 5 Pro. I don't believe these numbers. I want to, but I'm going to test the heck out of these numbers because we haven't had a Samsung watch that lasted a full day for a while. And I'd love for that to be something that happens again. I think it was the Active 2 was the last one, wasn't it? I used to get two and a half days out of that consistently. Yeah, I got, I consistently would get two days out of my Galaxy Watch Active. And I, I want to get back to the point where it's like, oh, my watch never runs completely dead unless I literally like forgot to take it off, didn't have a shower that day and get to the next morning like, oh, this has been two days and oh crap, I'm down to 10%. I want to get back to the point where I take my watch off for my morning shower. It's on the charger for like 15, 20 minutes while I shower, get clothes on, get food. And then I pick up my watch when I'm done with all that and it's topped off and ready to go. And hopefully we get that considering Samsung has said that they won't actually give us rates of improvement because Samsung doesn't really like to talk about how fast the watch actually charges, but they're claiming that you can get from zero to 45% in 30 minutes. The slightly better charging claim for most people is going to be that you can charge it for eight minutes and it'll have enough battery for eight hours of sleep tracking, which should get it through the night and then you can put it on the charger in the morning before you start your morning routine. I don't know if I want to sleep with this watch, but that is better. I very rarely ran out of battery with my watch four, but it is nice to have that buffer, especially if the health tracking is more reliable and you're, you, and, and you, you know, can use it longer. Right. Like I shied away from using my watch four for like anything fitness related because I didn't really trust the sensors all that much. So, I mean, that mainly that's a software thing. Like I, I hate getting the notification, like I'm 10 minutes into a walk, I get a notification are you walking? I'm just like, you're a moron. Like, please be better. I've so, never had that. I just get a thing 10 minutes yeah, in where it you, goes, well done, you've been walking for 10 minutes. It's always been really good for me. At 10 minutes in, you get a notification saying, you've been walking for 10 minutes. Do you want us to track the GPS for this route or do you want us to stop tracking this route? And I'm just like, do whatever the heck you want. I'm just, I've walked half a mile and I got half a mile to go until I get to my concert. Let's go. <laughs> Right. But that's the thing that the software experience needs to catch up to what the hardware can do. Well, it's, it's just I don't think it's very good right now. I think it's OK, but I also just am not like super into like I don't need my fitness to be 100 percent accurate, which granted the Galaxy Watch 4 has been tested to be fairly accurate when it comes to certain types of health tracking. But I just needed to have a baseline that stays consistent and then to tell me when I go above or below things. Right. It seems like a decent upgrade, but I do want the watch's software to catch up. Um, Samsung Health needs to be better. Hopefully we get that. And I mean, we got to get Fitbit on this thing at some point because they've said Fitbit is going to come to the Watch 3 ecosystem and it's been a year and a half, guys. Let's, let's go. But I will say maybe the best thing about the Galaxy Watch 5 is it's not a huge price increase compared to the Watch 5 Pro. 
The price only went up $30 this time around. Instead of it starting at $250, it starts at $280, which is totally reasonable considering the bigger battery, the more expensive, the more durable glass, and any refinement to help it fit your wrist better. Like the Watch 5 actually makes sense economically. The Galaxy Watch 5 Pro, I'm not entirely sure makes sense for the vast majority of users. It's the first time I've ever looked at the Classic or Pro model and actually preferred how it looked. Really? Because I've never liked, yeah, I'd never, I was never a fan of the, this is a spicy opinion. I've always preferred the digital bezel over the physical one. Oh, I really yeah, like the way this Pro looks. I'm with you there. I, I hated the more traditional style with the bezel. But yeah, uh, the Watch 5 Pro has completely du- uh, gone a different direction than the Galaxy Watch 4 Classic, which is part of why the Galaxy Watch 4 Classic is actually sticking around. Samsung is not retiring that the way that Samsung is discontinuing the Galaxy Watch 4. But the Galaxy Watch 5 Pro has upgraded to that that much more durable sapphire crystal glass. More durable than the base Watch 5, in fact, they told me. It's not the same sapphire glass on the regular Watch 5. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little more durable whatever that means yeah i don't i don't know they just said it's like another 20 percent harder than the base watch 5. i don't know what to say to that considering they they list literally the same materials but okay but the uh the housing of the watch has changed from last year it was stainless steel which wasn't great for a lot of reasons heat absorption and dissipation being one of them the galaxy watch 4 classic had a habit of overheating especially if you had the lte version The Galaxy Watch 5 Pro has swapped over to titanium, which ideally should hope with the heat issues a little bit more. But more importantly, titanium is much stronger than steel. So these watches should take like bangs and hits and like falling and hitting it against a rock. This should be able to take those blows a little bit better, which is important because Samsung has squarely aimed this watch at like outdoor enthusiasts and people who are like in whatever profession and need something that will go the distance and last longer. What's really interesting is this watch is not really aimed at any existing Android watches, except maybe like the Sunto 7 or something. Like this is a Garmin competitor. This is meant to compete with those $500 Garmin forerunners that every long distance runner and triathlete has on their wrist. I was talking about improvements to Samsung Health. The company was adamant that those changes are happening here. You can import workouts externally. There's like this new track route feature, which allows the watch to basically build a map for you and then export it so that you can run up against your previous time in the same route. Well, and Uh, the other part of that was that you can start running a route and it'll keep the track of where you've been. And then you can hit a button and it'll tell you directions to go back the way you came and get back out of the woods after you go and get lost. Right, exactly. I mean, these are things that Garmin has been doing for years. The fact that there's a 600 milliamp hour battery here, this will last most people's marathon distance with GPS. And the fact that it starts at $450 is is like not surprising. But it's just interesting that with rumors of a pro athlete, you know, rugged athlete focused Apple Watch Pro coming later in the year. Samsung has already preempted that announcement and is trying to get Wear OS 3 and the ecosystem in general to where it should have been many years ago. This should be priced, I mean, like 450 is expensive, but like that's about what the bigger Apple Watch costs right now anyway. So like if if Apple's going bigger and more rugged with this, then it will undercut. Not that it not, it's apples and oranges, but it will, you know, Compared to that, it will look cheaper to to the consumer. I understand right. it needs premium prices to help drive home the fact that it is a premium product. I guess I'm coming at it from the angle of the Watch 3 and the Watch 4 Classic were premium watches, but they were still reasonably priced for what they were. The thing is, with inflation and the just state of the world at the moment anyway, on top yeah. of that, the oh, prices are going to go up. Long I mean, before that. You don't want to know how much milk costs here now. <laughs> Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, Will, you're getting the Watch 5 Pro. I'm going to make yeah. you run many miles to test That's this. Fine. That's fine. I need it. No, you I can don't. run during you're, work hours now, you're right? You're absolutely, you do not need it. <laughs> you, you're, you're a stud. But it's like, we were like thinking, how do we actually test this watch, right? Like, yeah. we need to do the thing that Samsung says it does really well, which is get sweaty, go outside, like, put it through its paces, see how it holds up to to really intense 
running and, and uh, you know, all these new features that Wear OS has never really proved itself to be good at yet. And yeah. this is Samsung saying, all right, well, we've put in the time. We are co-developing this platform with Google. Samsung Health is getting better. The hardware now has the sensors to support it. It has the battery life. Like, let's do this. So, yeah, I've never enjoyed, like straight up, I've never enjoyed running with, with Wear OS watches. I don't think it's it's a good experience, but I prefer to run with a smartwatch and leave my phone at home because I think it's it not having to hold a phone in my hand or have it waggle in my pocket or whatever is like a much more enjoyable experience when I'm actually moving. And so I'm I'm really excited to see if this is the watch that like actually makes running with Wear OS like enjoyable. Also, no one judge my mile times. It's about the distance, not the speed. So. Absolutely. <laughs> I was about to say, and I, for, to the phone thing, like that's part of why I wear a shoulder holster, but I don't like running in that thing either. Cause yeah. it, it'll still bounce around. And well, phones are too big these days too. Those, those were fine when they were, you know, 4.5 inch screens, but when they're Flip all would probably be fine. Yeah. But anything, anything else, any normal, like an S22 ultra is like, forget it. You're not strapping that to your, your arm. Like, no, I just can't run. <laughs> Amen, brother. Trying to avoid that, but yeah, I, I, I can run, but I don't like to, and more importantly, I'm not supposed to, because the place that I go for my physical fitness is Disney, and you're not supposed to run there, so it's just power walking everywhere. Yeah, I also like running. I was just uh, told not to. Uh, I see. Okay. <laughs> well, I, my medical excuse is that I have a baby. You get enough physical fitness. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Exactly. Okay, let's talk the last product announced, the Galaxy Buds 2 Pro. I will sum this up very quickly. I am cautiously optimistic i like the galaxy buds pro i thought they were really good but these are expensive 230 dollars they're 30 dollars more than the pixel buds pro they are about the same price as the xm4s from sony however these are not like heavy duty they're smaller 15 percent smaller than the buds pro they are lighter they ostensibly have better sound Samsung has redesigned the speakers and the woofer and tweeters. The microphones are supposed to be more sensitive. And as always, like they support a whole bunch of Samsung specific stuff, including quote, enhanced 3D audio with multi-channel, which is basically spatial audio. There's 24-bit sound support included this time, along with a new Samsung scalable codec. All of these things are TBD, right? You need a client to support these higher bandwidth sound files. You also need to have an ear that can tell the difference. I'm not convinced most people will be able to. I think ultimately this comes down to, are these comfortable? Does the battery last a long time? And do they just work really well? And Samsung well, the is pushing- And the A, well- They're and the pushing a, a lot well, of the like noise reduction Right, but stuff. the a, they're not really claiming ANC is better than last year, but it was like last year was still pretty good. It was fine. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the worst. It was just fine. I do think what's interesting here is that Samsung thinks that it can maintain everything it had in the previous Buds Pro model, but make the whole thing smaller. Jobber tried to do that with the Elite 7 Pro. It didn't really work. So I'm using that as my example here. Google went bigger with the Pixel Buds Pro compared to the previous model. Jobber went smaller and it backfired. The sound quality was worse, the ANC was worse than the 85T. It's just not as good of an overall product, but it's more comfortable. So we'll, we'll see. I um, didn't get to use them myself, but I spoke to several of the other reviewers that tried them and they said they did sound better with uh, the noise cancellation and the sound was better than the old pros. Okay, good. Apparently. Take that for what you will. I'm, I, want to, I want to buy a pair, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will we will have to wait. Uh, I think Taylor is getting his unit uh, as soon as today. So we will have reviews for all of these products in the next few days. Um, until then, let us know what you are most interested in of all of these products, podcast at andrewpolice.com. I think we're going to end the show just talking a little bit about this Google campaign that's calling on Apple to, quote, fix texting by adopting RCS. Will, what is happening here? This was kind of a, I wouldn't say surprising, but it's definitely more on the nose than Google has previously been in terms of like pressuring Apple to support RCS. This is the culmination of everything Google has done this year in terms of RCS. I don't want to say marketing, 
but back in January they tweeted uh you know to to shame Apple right uh in in at IO they they called them out on stage they used Drake's Texco Green song uh to to make a point about it on Twitter Apple's response has been uh I can't I can't hear did you hear anything I didn't hear anything <laughs> what is that noise going on around behind me Yeah exactly it's it's I I really you know I I expected uh at, at WWDC that we would get some kind of like line of like, and of course iMessage is, we believe the most private and the best way to communicate with your loved ones. And there wasn't even that. It was just like, hey, we have some new iMessage features. We already know that if you're in North America, you're on iMessage. So um, here are some new features. And that was it. It was, they, they didn't even pretend to respond to it. And so I think this is Google's kind of, um, their way of taking what they've been doing on Twitter and trying to go big with it. Uh, trying to make it more of a public shaming thing of like, no, look, like we aren't ruining texting. Apple's ruining texting. And I, we should say this is purely a North American problem. This does not affect like anyone else because the rest of the world's on like WhatsApp or Signal or whatever, right? This is purely a North American thing, but it is a big thing here. It is a problem. And I don't think this is going to do anything other than, you know, get a bunch of press for, for Google, but I, I don't expect Apple to make uh any or to adopt rcs anytime soon uh and i don't think this will change that well it's not even good press this is just google begging for apple to give on something that they are never going to give on because even though it is like proven anti-competitive it is proven like apple used illegal tactics in order to get to where they are with iMessage but now that it's locked in like that nobody can wrest control away from them in the US. To be clear, like the reason Apple will not do this is because iMessage in North America is by far not only their biggest method of lock-in on their platform on iOS, but it is also the biggest draw for Android users to switch to iOS because if you get left out of enough group chats, especially if you're in high school or, or even college, eventually you will be like, well, I want I want to be in the chats and they won't put me in the chats because the chats will turn green. And so I guess I'll just go get a used iPhone 11 or whatever. Right. And like, that's how they get people into the iOS ecosystem. And once you're there, you're there. And, and so there's no real benefit for Apple's bottom line to adopt RCS. There are benefits to, to privacy RCS, at least on one-on-one -on -one chats, not group chats, but one-on-one -on -one chats is encrypted. Uh, Apple loves talking about messaging privacy, and that would be a big boost to that. Um, you know, it would make most people's messaging experience in North America better, uh, regardless of whether you have an iPhone or not. But like to their bottom line, there is no benefit. And so all they can keep doing is pretending that they don't know what RCS is. Yeah, they can keep bitching and screaming. But the only way that Apple is ever going to give on this is a court order. I, I mean, I think I think if SMS ever shuts down, I think I think that's what it would be. Go, go ahead, Zach. I was going to say maybe Europe will do it. They've done it with the USB-C. Maybe Europe will yeah, be like, no, be. you will have to do the same thing. But it might not affect European users enough for them to even want to do anything about it because because no one's. Yeah. So I think, yeah, if SMS is ever we're going to switch to RCS for everything, you know, on a, on a national level, I think that could uh, if it was phased out. There we go. That was the word I was looking for. Uh, I think that could you know, push Apple to change because they wouldn't have any other option. But otherwise, like, I, I don't see it changing anytime soon. Does sending MMS messages not cost you extra per message in the no, States? Because it no. does here. If I send an MMS, it costs 40p. That is why WhatsApp, <laughs> etc. is so popular in Europe and it never got That's traction here is because you didn't need to. There was no, it was just MMS was, was, uh, Bad. you know, billed at the same rate as SMS for, for the most part. I mean, like, in the like early, first, earliest days, yeah, MMS yeah, cost once, extra. But once but, they went unlimited talk text, exactly, MMS by, was rolled in. By 2009-ish, yeah, it was it was all SM, unlimited SMS, which also included MMS. And it was like, I remember my first phone was a Moto Razr, not a smartphone, like the Moto Razr. And, the OG. Yeah, uh, well, the V3. But like that one, there I got like 50 MMS messages a month. But by the time I got my like second smart or my second phone, it was it was like unlimited SMS and MMS. We do get unlimited SMS like with everything, just to say it is only the MMS that we pay for yeah. now. But yeah. So yeah. I see this as nothing but a lobbying effort from yeah. Google, right? Like it may drum up some consumer support for RCS on the Android user side, but largely this is Google appealing to the FTC, the various attorneys general, the people who have Apple in their sites, 
who have already filed lawsuits against Apple and Google, for that matter, for anti-competitive practices. Like iMessage lock-in is a thing that senators use to justify trying to change competition laws, right? Like this is something that every single time Tim Cook gets called to Congress for, they will bring this up. iMessage is lock-in. The app, the app store ecosystem is bad for competitors. Apple is prioritizing its own products. And look at this, right? Every 14-year-old in, in America has an iPhone because they don't want to be left out of group chats because blue is great and green is ugly. Like, this is an argument that every single senator, every single congressperson makes. This is something that, that Lena Khan and, and the FTC has brought up many times. It's something that is a bugbear that... Apple can't shake. And I do believe that if it just wants to lower the pressure in the room, it will adopt RCS quietly, right? It'll come as like a an update in the iOS 17 beta 2, right? Like it'll just happen one day. And that'll be that. And everybody will freak out about it. But like Apple will then be able to say, okay, we did this and let's move on. See, every every WWDC, I wait for, you know how they, they run through all the iOS features, and then at the end, there's that big splash screen that has all of those features plus more, and there's always, like, there's, like, that one in the corner that you're like, what's that? And, like, the last, like, th two or three years have been, like, I look for that screen, and I'm like, RCS is going to be, like, 12-point font, like, really tiny, like, oh, and uh, RCS uh, hasn't happened yet, but yeah, I guess it could happen next summer, it'll be, like, Oh, there's the, I see the three letters. It's right there. I just hope it happens for the fact that this actually like, outside of not wanting to be left out of conversations, there's a genuine bullying aspect. Yeah, absolutely. To all of this as well. Like when iMessage first came out over here, we did have a similar pressure to use it over everything else. It just died off. And I legitimately got made fun of and stuff at college 10 years ago for using an Android phone because I didn't have iMessage, even though I didn't want to talk to any of the people in my class anyway. Um, but like, I legit know people that got beaten up for it. I think just looking at that aspect of it, it needs to happen, but Apple doesn't really care about people, but then probably neither does Google. They just care about their bottom lines. So, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, this, it's, it's a fun campaign, if nothing else. And, uh, if you haven't taken it, if you haven't seen it yet, go, go take a look it's, at it. It's a good uh, website. Yeah. Android has like a, lot a of work dedicated portal for this. Now it's somewhere that you can point people to like, what is RCS? Oh, anyway, that's our show. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for being here. It was great to have you. We'll we'll have you back uh, maybe in a few weeks when um, when we have our reviews out and you have your fold four and you can you can wax lyrical about every every little improvement to it. I think it's October time is when I should be getting mine. So where can people find you on on Twitter and on the internet if they want to? I like to save people time so they only ever have to use my username when they tweet me. It's shut up Zach ninety six. That's Z A C, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, so, okay. Yeah, Z A C. We'll All right. Uh, well, Will is at Will underscore Saddleberg. Ara is at Ara Wagco. Jules is at Point Jules. I am at Journey Dan. We are all at AndroidPolice.com. Check out our hands-ons for the Flip and Fold 4, the Watch 5 and 5 Pro. We'll have reviews of all five products as soon as we get them. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll use them for a few days. As, as, soon as, we can, as soon as we can publish them. So check AP uh, for that over the next few days. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.